pa, 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 pa. Hey, Maureen, how's it going? Oh, hi. <coughs> oh, sorry. Oh. Cough, cough. Any, any cement particles in the air in Rouen at the moment? <laughs> no. I don't know what you're Actually, talking Actually, we are going to talk about concrete, but there has been some sort of explosion where you live in France. <sighs> yes. Um, so in Rouen, the town where I live, there was this massive fire in a lubricant factory, which was really in the center of the town. <laughs> it really wasn't supposed to be so close to it... where people live, but it was. And we had this horrible, horrible smell for days and days and people fainting and headaches and uh, all the schools closed. But the authorities, I hear, said everything was fine and the toxic cloud stopped at the border of the city or something like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for anybody who doesn't know, that's an inside joke for French people. When Chernobyl happened quite a, a while ago, the French authorities said, no worries, the toxic radioactive cloud stopped at the German border, so we're fine. Yeah. So, yeah, apparently it's not toxic. Say the authorities. Okay, the authorities say there's no acute toxicity, which is very different from saying that it's not toxic. Mm. But but also they don't explain what acute and chronic toxicity is. I mean, and the fact that if it's acute toxicity or a not very beautiful toxicity, oh, yeah. okay, s- slightly okay, ugly okay. toxicity, they're both okay. probably harmful. So a- any anything terrible happen where you live then? Absolutely not. No, okay. I live in Sweden. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, two weeks before that, there was a horrible murder. Okay, well, that's... Well, okay, okay that's, look, um, you're letting that out. Oh, well, we went on quite a tangent there. Uh, is is the lubricant factory... Does that affect in any way your issue for today, which is um, contraception? Is that linked? <laughs> okay, my, my, yeah. No. Okay. Um, so. This was like a mechanical oil lubricant factory for mechanical things. Oh. I don't really know. Not your day-to-day product. Right. Unless you're into those kind of things as a sort of mechanical Or three robot. times a week product. Unless you're the robot from Wizard okay. of Oz. It's not a robot, it's a tin man. <laughs> All right, sorry, sorry. Maybe we should get started with the actual podcast. Okay. Issues and songs. It's a podcast. Issue number six. Yes, you missed one. Maybe because we didn't publish it. But here we go with Ben and Marine. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to Issues and Songs, the podcast where brother and sister Ben and Marine discuss and sing about a different ev- issue. That's true. Every episode. Yep. I'm Marine. Yep. I am a Capricorn with a Scorpio moon. Really? And I am also a skeptic. Which month is that? Seps. <laughs> and this is my brother, Ben. Yeah. That is correct. Ben is a person who can't pronounce the word orangutan. Orangutan. And <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, and Ben is a Libra with R- a rising Capricorn, really? which means he is humble, moderate, That's... calm and reserved, and also has emotional discipline. Emotional what? Hence the me being a skeptic. Well, that's all 100% accurate. But I am the year of the dragon, which means I don't exist. Sure. So that's something to deal with. Wow, you've got deep-seated issues there. Okay. Not as deep-seated as the ones we're going to talk about today. No. <laughs> because today Ben will be conversing about concern over concrete. And I'll be confronting the contention over male contraception. Okay. And we don't have any listeners' question this week, but 
Oh, that's a shame. I've... I mean, if only we had listeners. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Maureen, well, before we get started with your issue, I was wondering something. And the fact we're doing this podcast called Issues and Songs is because we write songs, but also there are issues that yeah. bother us and we need a way to talk about them, hopefully to raise awareness and maybe somehow make small changes in society mm-hmm. or in in, um, in our lives as a whole. Also, raising awareness but is sort of But it's also very depressing. <laughs> But but I'm thinking, why should individual people have to fight for causes that are so obvious? For example, Greta Thunberg is a young Swedish girl who's been fighting for the environment. She even went all the way to the States recently to give yeah, a, a speech awesome. there and fight for for um, climate intelligence, really, instead of climate destruction. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing is, we actually elect people in our democracies to take those decisions for us. Yeah. So we can, you know, just play games on our phones and stuff. You know, the important things. <laughs> yeah, the most important thing you can do is vote. And you can vote with your bullet. Sorry, no. Bulletin vote. Ballot. And you can vote with your ballot, not your bullet. <laughs> well, what else can you vote with? Well, uh, with your money. You can vote for products that support what you're supporting. Right. So we can have a say in this, but as we vote for politicians, then politicians should actually be taking action. And I think the problem is in our system, and it's deeply rooted in the way that we think about democracy, is that people are elected for five, six, sometimes seven years if you're in France in the 80s. And um, (laughs) to be re-elected or to be successful, you need to have success during those five years. You're not judged on the consequences of what you've done. So terrible decisions for the climate or for society actually can have short-term benefits and be devastating for a society as a whole on the really, really long term. So what we need to do is find a way to make politicians, to force politicians to think about the very long term instead about their re-election. And I've come up with an idea with this. Yeah? Don't pay them a lot at all yes while they're in office there's a really small pay oh you pay them for the consequences yeah 20 years later you get people together that assess the decisions that have been made under this person's stewardship that is brilliant and then if 20 years later they've made absolutely fantastic decisions for the common good and for society and integration and the environment Mm. then they get masses of money but if the, if it was all bad decisions, then they, they get nothing. That's a really good idea. And also, it would clean up a lot who wants to go into politics. Also, if you're 70, it's probably not worth a shout. <laughs> well, 70, maybe don't start your career at 70. When we're going to be 70, we've got really dramatic things to look forward to, unless some sort of combination of miracles happen and we're actually all fine well we can always hope Um, so i'm just putting it out there that's my new idea for a system 20 years later you get masses of money during your office not so much yeah i really like that with a sort of a committee i think i think that could work how what would the committee's name be you think the cash commission the consequences cash commission no that was terrible Sorry, you don't have a jokey name prepared for the committee? No, but do you have a song to okay. introduce your issue that is upcoming? I do have a song. Um, it's about the patriarchy and its effects on health and well-being of... Yeah, okay. 
wearing makeup and people assuming you're dying. Not owning that much makeup and people assuming you're lying. Getting angry and people assuming you're mentally sick when they're just a dick. Walking along when somebody tells you to smile. Smiling along and someone commenting on your smile. Not walking in mud and people saying you're precious. Walking in mud and being seen as too vicious. Mistakes every girl makes, but here's the way to go. Oh, if you want a bow, if you want to lend a bow, you should master a certain style. Don't threaten them, it's still worthwhile. And offer a gentle smile If you want to land a bow You should bat your eyes and blush Always look lovely and lush And never mention you have blush Always do more of your share of cleaning Feel responsible for the housekeeping Trust, you can only credit 70% of what you merit Okay, thank you for listening. So my issue today is the patriarchy, part one, contraception, subpart one. Well, do you want to just say what patriarchy is, in case anybody listening is not quite sure? <clears throat> so the world uh, run by and for men. So it's a sort of a battle of the genders here, that we have a position of power assumed by men over women in our Western civilization? Is that the idea? Yeah, and I want to look at the consequences this has on health and specifically today, a contraception, because there is a big discrepancy between female methods and male methods that are actually in use. So 70% of couples use female methods, which is more than half. Well, it's, it's celibacy, a female or a male... Well, I method. said couples. Right. Well, you can so, be in a couple uh, and celibate, can't you? Oh, no, that doesn't work. Okay, so there are various methods of male contraception. Do you know any? Um, yes. Just read a book instead. Yes, so th that's an idea. There are condoms. There's also the pill for men, which is still a work in progress. Um, it has only 6% of the financing of the women pills. What do you mean by it has 6% of the financing? Yeah, so it's the funding for the research. Right, so 6% goes to male pills, the money for the research into contraception. And what, what... No, 6% of the amount that goes into women's pills. And actually, there was one study that was cancelled due to ill effects such as acne, mood changes and impact on the libido. These are all really, really common side effects of the women's pills. So the people who decide what medical science studies, and I suppose this is in France that you're 
sort of focusing on. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, France. So the people who are uh, tasked with giving out the money for medical research are probably men. And they're trying to make sure that they're not the one to have to take the pills. Is that what you're getting to? Well, maybe. But also, there's an issue with gender representation where if men would take the pill, because of the gender norms we have, women wouldn't feel that they can trust men and men don't understand why it's their responsibility to take the pill. Which is quite a recent thing, actually, because before the 50s, it was the man's responsibility to not get the woman pregnant. But then the child and pregnancy was the, was the woman's resp- responsibility. It's not like you can say, I'm a man. Nobody says, I'm a man. It's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> who says Who says that? Well, because it has such an impact on the woman's body and not so much on the men's body. Men will tend to care less, I see. I don't know. Some people actually that that does that's quite sad. And there are other male contraception methods like heating knickers. It's actually just like a pair of underpants that raise the testicles up so they're closer to your body and warmer, which you have to wear every day. And that is actually totally reversible. No chemical drug involved. No adverse effects. Nothing. Just simply mechanic. You just have to walk about with hot bulls, really. You, yeah, you just have really tight underpants. <laughs> That's it. Okay. So you, you are a junior doctor yeah. as of last week or something like that. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. What would be your recommendation for France? But many other countries could follow suit. What, what should we do? Well, we should actually talk about... So when a woman comes to see you and says, I'd like to have a contraception... You should also talk about the male options. In the UK, they're obliged by law to say to a woman looking for contraception method, uh, also vasectomy exists. Whereas in France, we don't. We just give the female contraception methods. And so as a result, there are 50 times more vasectomies in Great Britain than France. So are there any health benefits in the UK, for example, of having that discussion or having that balanced approach? Yeah, because the kind of female version of vasectomy is tubal ligation, you know, getting your tubes tied. And in France, we have 16 times more tubal ligation than we have vasectomy, which is kind of like the permanent options. But tubal ligation is uh, quite a big procedure with general anaesthetic and there are way, way more adverse effects. It's really quite dangerous. Right. So if we could shift the balance to have more vasectomies and less tubal ligations, it would be safer for everyone. Right. So people who don't want babies or don't want babies anymore, maybe think about adjusting the man's stuff rather than the lady's stuff in the long term, because it's a smaller procedure. Yeah. And also... And also, you know, with the pill and things, we have a heightened cancer risk and stroke risk and everything. And it makes you wonder, would it have been authorised, these contraceptive methods, to be put on the market if they were designed for men? Because there are so many adverse effects. Oh, wow. So you think women are less safe than men because of the patriarchy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is there any other point that you wanted to make about that? Actually, uh, another way that patriarchy influences women's health is 
for example, heart attacks. Women are more likely to die from heart attacks than men because the studies we had mostly looked at men and men's symptoms and actually women's symptoms are quite different. Right. So, yep. Uh, also, you know, crash test dummies in cars, mm -hmm. they are often built on a male scale. And if there is a female crash test dummy, they are more often than not put in the passenger seat. So you're less safe as a driver if you're a woman than a man, as it's not designed specifically for the safety of your body. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's 100% right. That's crazy. But there are so many things like that in, in society, I suppose. Yeah, for example... A few years ago, we didn't really know what endometriosis was. Right, whereas now... <laughs> okay, endometriosis it is a disease that touches one in ten women. Oh, that, that, you can't do that. What? That's really not okay. You can't just touch one out of ten women. No, well, that's an issue for another day. Okay. You need to respect people's boundaries and not assume that your desire is reciprocated, right? To give them space. So basically, this endometriosis makes periods really, really painful. Right. And so many people think that it's normal to have really painful periods, and it's actually not. Because of this old argument that is still in in this sort of prehistoric mind of a lot of men, maybe in the medical profession, that women are being um, hysterical. Hysterical, yes, it's all, yeah, yeah. And still today, I still see that in the hospital. I Are you hysterical, for example, just because no. you're a woman? Okay, so hysterical is not a term that we should be using anymore. Do you know where hysterical, the word, comes from? Is it the Greek ladies that were talking in weird tongues? So it tongues? comes from hystero, which, which means uterus oh. in Greek. And it came from the belief that uh, the uterus was like moving through the body of women and making them uh, batshit crazy, which is not backed up by any scientific evidence. Is that not what happens? No. I'm <laughs> joking, obviously not. The funny thing, if I can add my two cents, even though I'm a man, is that there are lots of things that you don't realize as a male in society. You don't yeah. realize your advantages and how others uh, are left slightly behind on certain things because it doesn't bother you, right? So it's completely yeah. normal until you see a movie like... Je ne suis pas un homme facile, which is a great French film, where all of a sudden a guy wakes up in a world which is matriarchal. So everything is switched and women are being sexist to him and he has to shave and he's the toy boy all of a sudden. Um, so the shaving mm. scene is really odd. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so through that film, I actually noticed that even things in our everyday language are quite patriarchal. Yeah. For, do you have an example? Yes, but they're all in French. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the title is a good idea. I can explain that. Je ne suis pas un homme facile means I'm not an easy man. Would mean I'm not an easy man to deal with. But if you say it for a woman, je ne suis pas une femme facile, it means that I don't go to bed easily. I'm not so yeah. lax with my morals kind of thing. So it has a different meaning according to which gender you're referring to. And these are the kind of things that you'd never realize until really they're put in front of your eyes, as a man anyway. Yeah, even as a woman, because you've, because we grew up in this environment where this is normal, and we, it's, it's tough to question your own reality, kind of like a Truman Show experience. Well, just the fact that there are a lot of positions of power uh, are occupied by men, and there's not enough women in 
politics, for example, and things like this. I mean, not in Sweden, obviously, but they're really advanced with this kind of stuff. In the 70s and 80s, they really pushed mm. forward an equal society, uh, which, which makes... Um, which makes it really difficult, I've heard, for, for foreigners living with Swedish wives because they have to do <laughs> 50% of the washing up and stuff. Well, you are not allowed to complain about that. <laughs> oh no, my man privilege. My neighbour is now cutting the grass, which is quite upsetting. That echoes a real conversation that I had one time with an American, and I'm not sure what is patriarchy and what is natural tendencies in men and women, which are different. It's all is patriarchy, that- Ben. Okay. (laughs) Well, he was saying that there are some things that women are more naturally gifted towards. And with his Swedish wife, -wife, ex-wife by that time, he was saying that she would not do certain things more than 50%. Otherwise, she'd feel very upset and guilty and she'd feel um, taken advantage of and that he was being patriarchal. But for example, taking care of a child or or things like this, he was just saying, well, she's just so much better at that. Why don't I do the stuff I'm good at? like building stuff and she does the mum stuff Ugh. okay but yes that's exactly how every everybody in sweden would react to that so i don't know yeah. there's a there's a balance i suppose yeah well he was really advocating what was best for him probably not what was best for her it's a very one-sided conversation i suppose luckily for him uh, he found a french girlfriend so that, that'll be fine now what well because the more I live in Sweden, the more I realize France is a really patriarchal society. Amazingly so. Yeah. I mean, women can't become priests in France. That's crazy. Imagine telling your daughter, you're a woman, so you can't do this job. That's crazy. Yeah, you see, I had not never realized that. And also, uh, going back on contraception and uh, religion, so France is historically a very Catholic ca- country, and that's why it was historically against contraception. I can't stay his. I can't say historically, historically, historically. Shit. Okay. Before, just say before. So before France was a very Catholic <laughs> country, and hence was against contraception. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Well, if that's depressing, I can offer um, a, a shining light of hope, and that would be come to Sweden, see how it's done here. Of course, the Swedes, they say, well, it's really not perfect and there's lots of work to do. But as somebody coming from the continent, it's amazing here and they're they're really advanced. You know, there's no sort of discrimination towards women going into science or or any sort of other profession. Actually, there's a funny story about this and I and it's a bit convoluted. So bear with me, listener. I mean, if you're still there, single listener, just hang on a bit. We're going to talk about a different issue soon. But what happened to me, I was in a shop in southern Sweden, a toy shop. And the lady who was selling toys was talking to me about the toy provider that comes with the catalogue. And then they choose which which toys they want. And then they order them, they receive them. And the guy was French. And he was Mm -hmm. coming into the shop saying, hello, I'm the person with the catalogue. What toys do you want? This, this, this. And uh, they were looking through different things. And there was a pack i don't know what it was exactly maybe a pack of pencils or something and it was completely pink and it was to be marketed specifically to girls and the lady in the swedish shop who's actually turkish but she gets sweden she said oh i'm really sorry but this would never work in sweden we really don't do this you know kids are kids we don't say you're a girl you're a boy you get this and you get that so she's saying this this doesn't work and the french guy said what but it's for girls and she says well yeah but it's just that in Sweden, we don't really, you know, give gifts to 
children according to yes but it's for girls and then he slammed the book turned the book oh, it, is for, girls. Okay. it is for girls it is for girls yeah french toy shops <laughs> also i was getting some knitting things to knit something for you know your daughter and uh, so i was picking a collar and the lady says so is it for a boy or a girl and i just i was like well it's for a baby <laughs> what do you mean babies don't have a knowledge of their own gender I think the gender identity comes in, kicks in at about four years old. Does it? Okay. Well, of yeah. course they don't. But it, it's all to do with how much the parents uh, impose their vision, even without knowing it, onto the child, I suppose. So it's good to be aware of that and to just give stuff to your child. If she's a girl, it's fine to give her trucks. Yeah. So if you give stuff to a kid whose parents you don't really like, I would advise giving them like a little toy musical instrument to mess with their heads. It's also a gender-neutral gender gift. Right. Absolutely. Unless it's pink. Because it is for girls. <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed sometimes to be French. <sighs> but I love, my, I love my country. By the way, anything positive happening in France these days? Yes. And uh, in France, no. But <laughs> let me introduce you to our new segment, Happy News Corner. Yay! Song? How sweet it is to have a happy news corner A corner where the smile comes easily All colour and bliss in our happy news corner When too many issues meet you need therapy Bliss everywhere, joy everywhere Heartwarming stories, fun fact inventories Bliss everywhere, joy How sweet it is to have a happy news corner A corner where the smile comes easily I've got a little happy news corner prepared Hey, by the way, Marine, great jingle That's really nice Let's have that every week I mean, every two weeks I mean, every two months when we have a podcast Yeah, you know we should. I mean. Yeah, we should talk about scheduling Anyway, there is this ocean cleanup device in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch Oh, and yes, I saw that Yeah, Absolutely. and it's actually working It's kind of like a really big floating net which is pulled by a balloon or something Or something, well, maybe so. <laughs> Yeah, do you have any happy news prepared? Yeah, just to go on about the thing, there's a giant C-shaped tube which aims to collect 50% 50 of the debris in the patch, which is the, the big garbage patch 50%. in the Pacific. 50%? Wow, I in actually just read the title of the article. Five years. Wow. There's a six-meter floating tube. It's going forward, driven by wind and waves. The floating barrier, it moves with plastic and other rubbish, obviously. And there's a three-meter skirt, which is, it looks a bit like a skirt, which allows marine life to pass underneath. So it's sort of like a um, scoop, oh. scooping the plastic out of Brett's world yeah. so Aww. that his family Poor doesn't Brett. die. Brett, by the way, dear listener, you remember was Marine's fish in that song about died. Um, plastic. You can go back in time and listen to that if you want. And every few weeks, the support vessel, which supports the whole contraption, arrives to collect uh, debris and then sends it to recycling. And the recycling is very brave people doing that. I mean... It's disgusting. It's just lots and lots and lots of tiny different pieces of plastic and all sorts of stuff, really. Anyway, shall we get into concrete? Mm. 
river Johnny Gonna build a tree Lighthouse by the sea See how amazing this guy be I say, oh Johnny Show me light Oh Johnny This guts and it was always meant to build a good new world. Behold, Portland cement. Oh, Willie, thy father's feet. Oh, Willie, on every street. Oh, Willie, thy father's feet. Nineteen fifty-five, the Swiss he wanna build a church. Man, he need the place where candle can light up the search. I say, oh brother, build it high. Oh brother, dawn is nigh. I say, oh brother, star never. Die. I say, oh brother, this star never die. Oh brother, this star never die. Yes, indeed, that's my topic today: concrete. Now you know what it is, Marine. Um, some kind of really rock hard yeah, exactly. substance, uh, man made. Yeah, it's kind of absolutely. Mixture of... So basically, what concrete is? Okay, it's a reconstituted rock, and it's almost a miracle of building, and um, of changing the way cities and countries function to be able to remold rock. So you can actually have rock in whatever shape you want. Yeah, you can have punk rock, rock and roll. I actually want to talk about uh, concrete because I spend lots of time in the east of France around a chapel, a modern chapel built in the 50s, 1950s, by the architect, a weird Swiss guy with questionable politics called Le Corbusier. Half French, half, half Swiss, completely weird with mummy issues. That's where you found my cat. And that's why my cat's name is Chapelle. That is exactly where I found Chapelle. How is she? She's great. She's on a new diet. She lost 200 grams in two weeks, so that's quite good. Okay, good. But not any limbs? Nope. Just belly fat. Fantastic. That's really good. Also, you said your cat. Yes. It's a bit my cat, isn't it? Also? Sorry. Who paid paid the vet fees? Dad. Who paid the... (laughs) (laughs) Who is actually keeping the cat? Yeah, fair enough. In their home for years. 
Anyway, this chapel is quite famous for architects all over the world, and there are people fascinated come to visit it from all over. Um, what's quite interesting is that it's entirely, almost, made of concrete. At least the outer shell is. Actually, inside the concrete walls, you've got the old stones from the previous church that was destroyed during the war. But that's TMI, which means too much info, I think. <laughs> the reason concrete interests me now is because of a really silly anecdote, really. One day there was a Dutch guy visiting the chapel, and I just started chatting with him as I as I did with lots of visitors there. And I said, oh, you're an architect too in, in, in Holland? Yes, I am. And what what do you do there? Are you working also with concrete? Uh, it's great, no? And he said, no, no, I don't work with, with concrete. I work with much more friend, environmental friendly solutions and, uh, and materials. And I thought that was really odd because at the time I was reading about this architect who had these brand new ideas with concrete and th that mm. it was this miracle material for mankind. And then this guy all of a sudden looked at me like I was some sort of Neanderthal for suggesting that it was a good idea to work with concrete. Actually, he really has got a point because... Really? Yes. As much as this chapel is interesting, it's got lovely lights inside. Also, it looks like a funny mushroom on top of a beautiful hill. So it's a really nice spot. <laughs> and that's the thing about concrete. Not only has it made a very nice chapel uh, in Ronchamp, in the east of France, but also it's helped humanity as a whole uh, stop the spreading of disease, um, heighten... Uh, what's it called when everything is clean? Hygiene. Hygiene? That's <clears> the thing. I mean, with concrete, you build hospitals and schools, and yeah. that's fantastic, right? But there are lots of problems with concrete. Such as? Uh, that are very serious, and we need to start thinking about solutions to them. Us specifically, because as we know, this podcast is... No, I'm joking. <laughs> okay. Is it really the concrete itself that is an environmental problem, or is it the fact that we covered so much land. That's a really good point because we are covering so much land and it's a bit, the earth is a bit, is alive, right? It's breathing, it's, it's got uh, organic ecosystems. It's alive. <laughs> Absolutely. And we don't treat it as such. We just treat it as something to use no. and something to build on. But it's alive and covering so much of it with concrete causes soil erosion, uh, something called surface runoff. Basically, you're covering too much stuff and there's water pollution and flooding and the water can't go into the ground anymore, which means that there's all sorts of um, natural disasters that are potentially heightened. Mm. Not only that, concrete... Imagine concrete is a country. It would be the third highest emitter of greenhouse gases in what? the world. Just behind what? the, the US. US and China. Okay. Number three. Oh, whoa. Yeah. So, so it's, it's still not as bad as um, w w what China and America are putting into the atmosphere, but it's still pretty bad. And the reason for that is that it's the chemical process used to make concrete, or what is also known as uh, yeah. Portland cement concrete, gives out lots of these gases. And also 40% comes from the combustion of fossil fuels for the energy needed to make all of this concrete. Sorry, what gases? Oh, it's it's mainly carbon dioxide, which is sent out into the atmosphere. Oh, so a greenhouse gas. And it Yay. is a greenhouse gas. And actually, greenhouse gases are not green. They're not green friendly. I think it's a terrible name. Nope. Just to remind everybody that greenhouse gases have the effect of a greenhouse, meaning they don't let the heat escape. They cover up the earth 
and everything heats up, which is really not great for polar bears and actually everything else living on planet Earth. Yeah, humans, like humans from the Netherlands. Uh -uh. Yes, that's why we're building with more environment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, there are lots of particles that are coming out of this stuff. Uh, lots of drilling, blasting, demolition can cause lots of particles to go into people's system. And that leads to asthma, uh, a lot of uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorders, which as a doctor, you know, are not fun. Yeah, sure. And tuberculosis, kidney disease also, because the kidney has to work a lot to, I mean, you know, what does the kidney do? It, it okay. cleans stuff, right? Is it the like kidney the... kind of purifies the blood and puts all the yucky stuff from the blood into the wee-wee. Right, so... Is that dumbed down enough? <laughs> yeah, so then that's too much work for the kidney, basically. But that's not the important thing. But lung cancer, uh, caused by long-term dust exposure, it actually kills about two people a day just in the United Kingdom, where the numbers I've got are coming from. Whoa! So two, two workers a day die from that particular lung cancer. So that's about an average of oh. uh, a bit less than 800 a year, which is a lot. Sorry, what, what type of lung cancer is that? Are there different kinds? Stupid question. Continue. Yeah, so, so if there are so many issues, especially, environ in, especially environmental issues with concrete, why are we using it so much? Yeah, I had no idea it was so, such a massive problem. Well, actually, this resonates with what I was talking about at the beginning. And it's that things that are good now aren't necessarily good in 50 years. For example, the chapel is becoming all creasy and needs lots of work to be renovated. But that's fine. People can renovate that because it's a chapel. But if it just happens to a building block, nobody's yeah. going to care about renovating an old building block. Just knock it down, build a new one. Mm. Well, that's great for the economy, not great for the environment, as we talked about, right? But one of the main problems with concrete is how good it is for the economy, right? Because um, GDP um, is really important for world leaders, and that's what they're judged on. It's a bit like their score when they're running for re-election. So and do you think uh, there should be a tax on concrete? There should absolutely be a tax on concrete. That is one of the possible solutions to ah. trying to reduce concrete to using more environmentally friendly alternatives. But for the builder the and the provider and not the consumer, right? <laughs> you mean the person breathing in the silica particles? You owe us so-and-so yeah. for breathing in so oh, much. Oh, it's silica <laughs> particles. Okay. Yeah. I have, I have read that in my... In my lessons. Right, so they thought it was called by a thing called silicosis, but now silica dust itself is recognized as the thing causing cancer. But anyway, I was talking about why concrete is chosen by leaders and by governments as a great solution to all sorts of problems, maybe flood control, tsunami control, build this, build here, that. Well, it's pretty, pretty quick to make, isn't it? Yes, and actually the consequences on the economy are fantastic. Nothing blows up the GDP like concrete. So during the big projects were, were used to put muscle onto the economy of a country. For example, everybody knows about the Hoover Dam in America, huge structure full of concrete. And these kind of projects actually really helped the economy get back on its feet. And it has really enabled people in the 20th century. Yeah. And we are now benefiting from that to, to enter a wealthier world. That's concrete. So many things have been made possible by concrete. The problem is that when the love of your life is economic growth um, and you've got a bit of a, a slump in your progress, mm. then the solution to that is actually, you know what? Just build more stuff with concrete, more and more stuff with concrete. There's a, there's a practical 
uh, example in Japan, for example. Yeah, during the, there was an Asian financial crisis at the end of the 90s. I don't know if you remember because we won the World Cup at, around those years. So that might have clouded a bit our receptivity to that kind yeah. of news. I, I, I was three years <laughs> yeah, old, exactly. though. But basically, the, the economic <laughs> um, experts told the Japanese government, you know what, the best way to stimulate your growth is to dig a hole and fill it. And if you fill it with cement or concrete, the bigger, the better. And this will mean profit and jobs. So, And it is true that the more a country uses concrete, the more it bulks up its economy. Mm. Um, there are environmental consequences also. But another part of the issue, which we're not really going to get into too much, but is corruption. It's it's this weird thing. It's a bit like a, a magnetic connection that everywhere there's lots of concrete, there's also lots of corruption because there's lots of money flow into building companies and lots of money taken out and divested. And there's lots of examples of that in Brazil, for example, uh, also in China at the moment. So basically, it's cheaper to not be environmentally friendly. That's what has to change. Yeah, and you, and you can build absolutely amazing things. Mm. at smaller costs and in record amounts of time yeah um it's just this miracle product portland cement concrete oh actually it's called portland just as a side note it's called portland cement um concrete because concrete because it looks not like somebody from portland in america <laughs> but it looks like portland stone which is a stone, oh. if you really want to know, from the Tythonian stage of the Jurassic period. And it comes from uh, Dorset, mm. sort of an island off of Dorset called the Isle of Portland. So nothing to do with Northwest America. Oh, name one dinosaur from the Jurassic period. Park. Yes. Okay. I thought you were going to say Tyrannosaurus and I was going to go eh, wrong. Tyrannosaurus is actually from the Cretaceous. Anyway, go on. And that brings me back to the point that I made at the beginning of the podcast. That is quite fortunate. <laughs> is that Woo. we have to ask ourselves as a society, what do we want? What it is do we want? Do we want money? When do we want it? Now. Did you say bunnies? No, money. <laughs> but I would love bunnies. <laughs> The, the reason why I ask this is because it seems like everybody's running after growth. And if your main aim is in life is growth, then of course your country's going to be using lots of concrete to stimulate that growth because huge building projects give jobs, give mm. opportunity, give money, give create middle classes where maybe there were none before, all, all these things. So these are the immediate consequences and that's where we join what you said at the beginning where the politicians should not be paid on the immediate consequences. They should be paid on the long-term consequences for the planet and the society. Yeah, but it's not just the politicians. I think it's us too. We've got this weird thing where we can believe two things at once, and there's a special name for that. It's called... Mm, cognitive dissonance. Thank you, Maureen. Thank goodness you're here. Um, Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> because... The way the news is, right, and the way everybody thinks is completely strange. And as an example, I'm going to give you, for example, two articles on a website. One is saying devastating news for the environment as trees are chopped down, burnt down, and the air is, is barely, um, you know, breathable. And the other... Bolsonaro. Yes. Oops. Oof. That guy. And then next to it, you've got another article saying terrible news as the Dow Jones plummets and questions are raised about this trimester's growth. And you're thinking, yeah, but what do you want? I mean, news website, 
Tell me yeah. what you want. Do you want to save the planet because you're saying it's bad when it is destroyed? Or do you want growth? Because you're saying it's bad when all of a sudden companies that are that are investing in offshore gases, for example, in fracking or in concrete and building are losing money. You're saying that's also bad. Mm. So tell me which direction it is that we want to go to. And I think people need to actually consciously decide, oh, actually, growth it's not so bad if it's not great. Do we need endless growth? I mean, if anybody's listened to Muse's second law album, they know that endless growth is uh, unsustainable. In an isolated system, entropy can only increase. Unsustainable. unsustainable. The second law of thermodynamics. Unsustainable. <laughs> yeah, so, so maybe every time you see a news website, that has these two views. Oh no, growth is going down. And then, ooh, oh no, we're destroying the planet. And things are really bad on that side. You go, well, yeah, okay. So pick a side. Tell me what is important because it can't be both because they are this, they are fighting against each other, these two aspects. I mean, no, the planet isn't mm. fighting against growth, but definitely growth is, is harming the planet. Um, do you think that an environmentally sustainable world is compatible with capitalism? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we just need better rules. Because when you think about endless growth, the word capitalism kind of springs to mind, doesn't it? Well, maybe we can just all grow as people. Like that's going to work. <laughs> no, I don't think that's a, that's a viable solution. <laughs> I think taxes, punitive measures, that's, that's the way forward. If you want uh, lots of uh, numbers and lots of the background story of concrete, there's a great long read in The Guardian by a guy called Jonathan... Uh, what's his name? No, no, Jonathan Watts. Okay, well, thank you, Jonathan. And, and that's really interesting to have a look at. And in that article, actually, they mentioned the seawalls that Japan has been building. You remember in 2011, I think it was, there was a, a catastrophe with the Fukushima um, nuclear plant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember. And the solution to being overrun by a big wave, by a tsunami at the coast um, from the government has been, you know what, those walls haven't worked. Let's build bigger more massive concrete walls to protect the coast from an uh, eventual big sure. an eventual big wave, even if the ones before didn't work. And actually there are great alternatives to these kind mm. of projects. Really? Yeah. Like trees. Ooh. Because if you make a space between the sea and wherever the housing is, of lots and lots of trees, this is land that can actually absorb water. Oh. So you just have to figure out what's the you know best distance what's the best way to cope with with a flood like that and but if everything is concrete and a waves arrives on it it just flows on it and takes everything in its mm. wake the problem with trees is that it doesn't bulk up the gdp and that's why i think uh, that people are doubling down on concrete but we need to find alternatives though so should we expect more floodings absolutely so we need to tax concrete now. Right, a couple of uh, journalists have put up a list of uh, solutions, Chris Michael and somebody called Anne-Sophie Gross. Um, they work for the Ooh, city's theme department of the garden. And for example, they have stuff like push for a cement tax. And uh, yeah. that just means that... That was my idea. Yeah, I should good. patent it. <laughs> patent a tax. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you patented Portland cement concrete, that'd be a bit more beneficial for you. But 
less so for mankind. This is better for mankind. And okay. also the other the other stuff is you know people can make a small difference. If everybody makes a small difference, it's a big one in the end. Don't build concrete mm-hmm. extensions to your house, basically, you know. And if you're going to pave a way for your car, don't make it all out of concrete. You can use uh, more eco variations pebbles. of concrete. You can use pebbles, exactly, uh, gravel. Um, but also, you, if you're going to use concrete, for example, you can use a pattern that looks a bit like a wide sieve, right? Like a grid. So that actually grass can grow between them and if rain pours down, then it goes into the soil anyway, rather than destroying the part of the earth that is the most fertile, by the way, the first few inches. But then there's still the problem of how the concrete is made and all the greenhouse gases. But it's still better. The carbon emitted by the process, yes, that's for sure. Yeah. Any other solutions? Uh, yes, there's a great one. Is if you're investing millions in in companies, you should divest from cement firms. So that's really useful for you and me. I'll talk to my personal trader instead of a personal trainer. <laughs> okay. By the way, a more scientific way to put that would be that the impact of concrete is destroying natural infrastructure without replacing the ecological functions that we humans depend on for fertilization, pollination, flood control, oxygen production, which, by the way, kind of useful. Yeah. And also water purification. So it, 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 it gives a... So the, the problem is also of uh, water cleanliness mm. at the end of the day. Is that all because of uh, the forest and the wildlife? And I things? think concrete is a bit like a metaphorical sarcophagus, really. Tomb. Oh, yeah, not an esophagus. No, sarcophagus. Sarcophagus? Okay. Is that the word? No or idea. am I pronouncing it like orangutan? <laughs> orangutan. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> In a way, it's a bit cyclical, don't you think? That for a while, we're very close to nature. Yeah. I mean, in the course of humanity's existence. And then all of a sudden we go, no, 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 this is all BS. What we need is science. What we need is just to rely on man's ability to build a blah, 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 look at this concrete. And no, no, you need antibiotics. Not a pl- Well, actually, sometimes plants are really good to help you with certain yeah. things, if it's not a serious illness. And sometimes trees are really good compared to massive cement walls. And I think that's the cycle we're on, humanity. We're, we need to rediscover fast how alive the planet is and how useful nature is. And that's a really important term, natural infrastructure. There's loads of it. And we need to value it more. Just closing the door, sorry. We need to put that in the GDP so that natural infrastructure gives you a better GDP. Yeah. So we need concrete solutions. Absolutely. Okay. Hopefully our Western nations can cement um, a path forward without it okay i think that means it's the end of the podcast what do you think <laughs> oh it's so finished i think it was finished 20 minutes ago but, uh, yeah we just kept on going anyway okay well thank you very much for joining us today listeners so juliana and mum anything interesting uh, your side planned the coming weeks uh, yes i'm gonna start um, working as a junior psychiatrist soon mm, interesting okay Je messed up. Issues and songs. Thanks a lot for listening. Don't forget to leave a review on your preferred podcast app. And you can join us on issuesandsongs.com. Lots of fun over there. Also, you can support us on patreon.com forward slash issues and songs and get lots of goodies. Bye bye.